Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Listen, I'm really excited that you all are here and that you're watching uh, online. It's going to be a blessed service here today. It already has been, uh, and you're going to hear a wonderful message from the Word. Uh, I've known Rabbi Eric Lakatis for many years, and, uh, and he's such a blessing. I serve uh, with him on the board of the uh, MJAA and the International Alliance of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues, and so he's been on the, that board for many years and is very, very involved, not just locally in his own congregation, but really movement-wide. Uh, he's, he is known. He's uh, the senior rabbi of congregation Tikvat Yeshua in Cleveland, Ohio. And, and he has told me, y'all, uh, that this is his first time out of Cleveland since the, the pandemic started, I think. And so he, he's, uh, you know, uh, you know how we're all getting kind of stir-crazy a little bit. He was excited to go anywhere. <laughs> And so uh, we've had him here at Bethel before, so he's like uh, old Mishbacha. Let's give him a big welcome, Rabbi Eric Lakatis. You're right. I would go just about anywhere, but I'm so blessed to be here uh, this Shabbat. I mean, just to be in the presence of God like this and the worship and to soak in his presence. It's, it's, this service has been a big blessing to me. And so I'm just so excited to be out of Cleveland, Ohio. Um, you wouldn't believe it, but last month, in the month of May, you know, we all recognize Mother's Day. We had snow on Mother's Day. <laughs> I'm not kidding. But since then, we've had 90-degree weather days, too. So, I mean, it has been a crazy year, hasn't it? But, um, but thank God I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm just going to set my timer here so I don't go over. But um, I want to thank you for having me, uh, uh, Rabbi Kevin. And, and I'm just so honored. I just want to say that. Um, Today, I want to talk about a topic that um, is dear to my heart, and the name of the message is uh, The Sign of Truth, and um, <laughs> it's uh, a little deep. I like to go deep into the word, uh, but speaking of snow, uh, that's kind of where I'm starting uh, with, with this first verse. So I'm just going to jump right into this uh, from Proverbs 31. And it says she is not, speaking of the Ashet Chayil, a woman of valor, it says she's not afraid of snow because she's not from Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> for her house, for her whole household is clothed in scarlet wool. Wow. 
You know, I think about that verse, I think, okay, uh, why aren't all our children clothed in scarlet wool like this, especially if all of our moms, our mamalas are to be ashet chaylim? Uh, you know, what does this mean? You know, and so I wanted to uh, extract this and unpack it and go deep into it. So I asked myself, you know, Shmolo Melech Israel, what did you mean when you wrote this? And I, I dug in, I looked up some commentaries, I was digging around looking for what the scholars all have to say. And I think the first thing we need to understand about this, uh, anything that talks about scarlet, or even purple, the color purple in the Bible, it is, um, speaks of royalty. And there's an interesting story, a Midrash, a Jewish story about uh, this particular verse that I came across in preparation for this. And so it talks about it. It says this in Midrash Mishle, uh, that's Proverbs 31. She's not worried for her home because of snow for her whole home is dressed in crimson. This, the sages say, is Rahav, the prostitute. When Israel came to destroy Jericho, she did not fear from them because they gave her a sign. I thought that was very interesting. The, the, the scarlet thread, the crimson thread was the sign of truth. And it was a sign that Rahav asked for. And so interestingly, the sages make a connection between the Haftar reading today, which you heard read earlier from Joshua, and this verse in Proverbs 31, which I thought was very interesting connection. There needs to be more. There's something more about this. So I began to continue to dig. But this theme of royalty was always there. And there's more that is significant. What, is, what else is more significant about this? The fact that Rahav asked for a sign. And what does this have to do with us really today? And ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm going to preach on today. What does this have to do with us today in this world? How can we apply this to our lives? And so that's my heart, is always to give a message that we can take home and apply to our lives. So I'm just going to ask you to pray for me real quick over this message. Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzhak, Elohei Yaakov. I'm not worthy to stand in this pulpit, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to anoint unworthy lips of clay to speak your word of truth in love. Lord, you've given us a sign of truth. Help us, Lord, to receive this right now. Give us all a teachable spirit, whether we're here physically or, or online, watching, wherever we may be. Give us your Ruach HaKodesh. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying. So I'm going to jump into the Haftarah that we were reading earlier. And in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, verse 1, the Hebrew is very interesting there. It says, Vayishlach Yehoshua ben Nun, min hashatim shanim anashim meregalim. And the word, the first word there is shalach, which means sent, to be sent. That's where we get the word shlichim which we refer to the apostles as shlichim. And so shalach is this week's Torah portion. So we see an immediate connection between uh, what Joshua is doing here and, and what is happening here. Joshua is spying out the land just as he had done 40 years before under Moshe Rabbeinu. And 
it, let's continue on in Joshua 2. It says in English, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out two spies uh, from Shittim, saying, Go, explore the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came to the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahav, and lodged there. And the king of Jericho was told, Some men from Bnei Israel have come here tonight to spy out the land. So, the king of Jericho sent word to Rahav. I mean, she was pretty well known. Bring out the men who came to you, who entered your house, for they have come to spy out the land. But the woman took the two men and hid them and said, yes, the men did come to me, but I don't know where they were from. So when it was time to shut the gate at dark, the men went out and I don't know where they went. Pursue them quickly for you may overtake them. But she had brought with them to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax that she had spread out on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the fords of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, they shut the gate. Now look at verse eight. Before, now before they lay down, they, she came up to them on the roof and she said to them, I know that Adonai has given the land, given you the land, dread of you has fallen on us and all the inhabitants of the land are melting in fear before you. For we have heard how Adonai has dried up the water of the sea of reeds before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan and Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard about it, our hearts melted and no spirit remained anymore in anyone because of you. For Adonai, your God, he is God in the heaven above and on the earth beneath. So now please, this is the good part. Please swear to me by Adonai, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you would also deal kindly with my father's house. Give me a true sign. And that's where I got the title of this message. Ort Ha'emet. Ot Ha'emet. The true sign. Give me a true sign. It's very interesting that she used those words. That you would spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, and all my sisters, and all who belong to them. Save our lives from death. And so the men said to her, our life for yours. If you don't report this business of ours, then it will be when Adonai gives us this land that we will deal kindly and loyally with you. She lowered them down by a rope through the window for her house was in the wall. She was living in the wall. And then she said to them, go to the hill country, lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Afterward, you may go on your way. When the men said to her, we will be released from this oath, verse 17, that you have made us swear, unless we come into the land, you tie this line of scarlet thread. Very interesting. Scarlet thread in the window through which you lowered us down and gather yourself to your father's house, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Whoever goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. Notice they use the word blood there. You're gonna, you're gonna, I'm going to make a connection with you on this. So keep that in mind. His blood will be on his own head. And we will be innocent, but whoever is with you in the house, his blood will be on our head if any hand is laid on him. But if you divulge this business of ours, then we will be released from your oath that you have made us swear. So see, she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away. After they had gone, she tied the scarlet cord to the window then they departed and came to the hill country. They stayed there for three days until the pursuers returned. Now the pursuers had looked for them all along the road, but had not found them 
And then the two men returned, came down from the hill country, crossed over and came to Joshua, son of Nun. And they reported to him all that had befallen them. Surely Adonai has given this land into our hands, they said to Joshua. Indeed, all the inhabitants of the land has melted in fear before us. I know that was a lot of scripture, but the narrative had to be laid out again. Sometimes we need to refresh our, our memories a little bit on these scriptures. But it's very important. Here we have this entire story of what Rahav said. And most notable is this scarlet thread. And the Hebrew there and what she said to them was, Give me a true sign, a sign of truth. What is, what is this sign of truth and why is it significant? I mean, where do they get this scarlet cord anyways? I mean, were they just digging in their pockets looking for something? Oh, I've got a shmata here. You know, why don't you take that? No, there had to be some significance because everything in the Bible is significant. There's nothing there that does not have meaning. There's significant meaning of this scarlet thread. So we got to ask ourselves and we got to dig deep to find, you know, I'm the type of person I want answers on this stuff. So I dig into it. And um, I came across something interesting, a commentary from the 19th century. And uh, it's interesting when it talks about the sign and this sign of truth, which is also called and referred to as a sign of life. And so uh, it is written by this rabbi who lived back in the 19th century. He said, thus, uh, when Rachov asked for a sign of life, as in Joshua 2.13, that you will keep alive my father and my mother, she said, give me a true sign. For truth corresponds to life, as explained. And they said to her, this strand, and the word there that they used was tikva. This tikva, which many of you know means hope. My congregation in, in Cleveland is called Tikvah Israel. So I thought that was kind of interesting when I studied this. And it said, take this Tikvah, this hope thread of crimson and bind for yourself. Very interesting words that are being used there. Tikvat chut. Tikvat chut. So what the rabbi then says is it alludes to faith. And so she put it up in faith and that he refers to this uh, common of faith in Jeremiah 31, 16, where, where it is written, there is tikva for your end. There is hope for your end and faith. The rabbi says in the end of days, because all the traits are based upon it because Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 2, 4, the Sadiq, the righteous live by faith. And sure enough, Rahav, who was a prostitute of all things, we know what she later became. And maybe if you don't know, I'm, you're going to know in a minute. <clears throat> but she did something in faith that this became, becomes even more relevant to us today. The rabbi goes on to say this crimson thread corresponds to the name Zirachat or shining of in other words, the light of the face. In Genesis 38:30, we see this crimson thread was, was uh, from Judah, and it was tied on the, on the hand of his, one of his sons when they were born. Um, and his name, son's name was Zerach. 
And that crimson thread was used in Genesis 38, 26 on the board. It says, then Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I. So this is when he recognized Tamar, which was his daughter-in-law. <clears throat> Since I didn't give her to my son, Shelah, he was not intimate again with her. Now it was time for her to give birth. Behold, there were twins in her room, womb. And while she was giving birth, one stuck out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet cord. There it is again in the Bible. What is significant about this? <clears throat> and he tied it to the hand saying, this one came out first. But as he was pulling back his hand in, behold, his brother came out. So she said, how you have broken through. Could you imagine that, ladies? Oy. The breach is because of you. And so she named him Poretz. And afterward, his brother, on whose hand was the scarlet thread, came out. His name was Zerah. And so now we begin to see this thread that appears here with Judah, who was a forefather of Caleb, who was one of the Mergalim. Caleb, Caleb, was one of the two of the, of the spies that actually had a good report. And so here we fast forward to Joshua, and Joshua is sending in the second time these spies, and now all of a sudden they've got this scarlet cord. Where could this be from? So we read this about Peretz, and Perez, he was the forefather of the line of Judah and of the Messiah. And so we see in Matthew chapter 1, verse 3, it all starts coming together. Judah fathered Peretz and Zerah by Tamar. Tamar's name is mentioned. Peretz fathered Hetzron. Hetzron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadav. Aminadav fathered Nakshon. Nakshon fathered Solomon. Solomon fathered Boaz by Rahav. There's her name. There's the prostitute. Boaz fathered Oved by Ruth. There's another great woman and another Ashet Chayil. Obed fathered Jesse, Yishai, and Jesse fathered David the king. Wow. And so as the pieces started coming together for me as I'm studying this, I wanted to see what one of my favorite uh, Christian commentators had to say, and that's Reverend John Gill, again, from the 19th century. And he gave an amazing comment on this, which I thought was, is worth sharing. He says, this uh, Boaz... Solomon was the father, okay, according to what we just read, and he begat Boaz of Rechav. So Rechav was married to this Solomon gentleman. Salmon begat Boaz, as affirmed in also in Ruth chapter 4, verse 21. But it is not said there, nor anywhere else in the Old, in the Old Testament or the Tanakh, as here, that he begat of Rechav. That is, of Rechav the harlot. So this, the evangelist had from tradition or from the Jewish records that the Messiah was to spring from Boaz is asserted by the Jewish writers. And they also own that Rahab was married to a prince in Israel, which some say she was married to Joshua, but they pretend that she was 10 years of age when the Israelites came out of Egypt and that she played the harlot for 40 years while they were in the wilderness and was married to Joshua upon the destruction of Jericho. You might've heard that in rabbinic commentary, but it's, that's not what the Bible says to excuse this marriage with a Canaanite woman. They tell us that she was not of the seven nations with whom marriage was forbidden. And moreover, that she became a proselyte when the spies, the spies received by her 
they owned that some very great persons of their nation sprang up from her, such as Jeremiah, Masiah, Hanamiel, Shulam, Shalom, Baruch, Ezekiel, etc., etc. The truth of the matter is she became the wife of Salmon, or Salma, as he's called in 1 Chronicles 2.11. And in the Targum on Ruth, chapter 420, it is said to be of Bethlehem that he was the son of Nachshon or Nason, a famous prince in Judah, the head of the captain of the tribe. You can reference this in Numbers 1.7 and in Numbers 7.12. And from Rahav came the Messiah. See, this, this prostitute there, she was a foremother of Yeshua. Amazing. And, and, then, and the, the pastor goes on to say, but uh, Rahav sprung, from the, sprung the Messiah, another instance of a Gentile in the genealogy of the Messiah, and a third follows. And so what we begin to see is a thread connection between this event with Rahav, and it can even go back even further to, to uh, Judah, when Peretz was born and Zerach was born. And so this, the thread continues, this line, this lineage, and then it goes from Rahav all the way down to the Messiah. We begin to see now the significance comes more and more into the picture to us and how it, what it means for us. When she asked, I want a sign of truth. Give me a sign of truth. It wasn't just some piece of thread they had in their pocket that they happened to find. Okay, take this. There was more significance. Could it be the thread of Judah? I don't know. Maybe. It doesn't really matter. But what does matter is what it represents. We know scarlet was used in the tabernacle in Moses, with Moses. There was scarlet in the parochet and in the coverings of the Mishkan. And in the garments of the Kohen Gadol, there was, there was uh, scarlet there. And again, it reminds us of royalty and how God wanted them dressed. Look at Leviticus 14, 6 with me on the board. As for the living bird, he has to take it, the cedar wood, the scarlet, and the hyssop. And dip them in living, the, with the living bird into the blood of the bird that was killed over the living water. Now, what we see here is another mention of the scarlet thread. But here it's used for a different purpose. Here it's used in a ritual to cleanse someone who has a sarus affliction or leprosy as it's often translated. Interesting. So we see another component here. This ritual to heal someone that's been afflicted. When King David mourned over the death of Saul and Jonathan, he said these words in 2 Samuel 1.24. Daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who put ornaments of gold on your clothes. Scarlet not has, is not only significant of royalty but, and, and healing, but it has something else. Isaiah 1.16, wash Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your deeds before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Relieve the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, says Adonai. Though your skins be, sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will become like wool. Whoa. Okay, Lord, now you're taking me somewhere. 
Now I'm starting to understand more and more. David said in Psalm 51, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. There's a connection between this scarlet thread and our cleansing, not just physically, like from Saras, but spiritually, our sins are wiped away somehow. There's some kind of connection in what this represents, scarlet, royalty. And then we learn that the spiritual reality is that redemption is made through blood, just like we saw the blood of the, of the, um, <clears throat> the bird that was, uh, you know, sprinkled. Its blood was sprinkled. We just read that from Leviticus and for the Saras. But blood throughout the scriptures is always used as a covering. You know, Moshe used blood and sprinkled everything with blood, the Bible says. And so there's some connection between scarlet and blood and what it does for us. Usually the Torah says when you, when you come in contact with blood, which is a, a bodily fluid, it makes us unclean because you've come into contact with the kingdom of death. Because when, when our blood is shed, we are dying. The life goes out. The Bible says the, the, the life is in the blood. So when your blood is spilled, your life is coming out. If you touch that blood, you're considered ritually impure. You're unclean. But interestingly, when Yeshua's blood, when we come in contact with his blood, somehow we don't get contaminated. In fact, it has the opposite effect. It cleanses us. It makes us pure again. His death, unlike any other blood that we could come in contact with. And so we become tahor when we touch his blood. And it says this in Matthew 27, 28, they stripped him and put a scarlet robe around him. There's something here. Yeshua, as he's being beaten, his blood is being shed. They're mocking him. And they put a scarlet robe on him. I don't think this is an accident. I don't think there's any accident at all. There's nothing in the Bible that's, that's insignificant. The writer of Hebrews admonishes us and says in chapter nine, verse 19, for when every commanded had been spoken by Moses to all the people, according to the Torah, he took the blood of calves and goats and with water and scarlet wool and hyssop. And he sprinkled both the book itself and the people. He sprinkled the people. The people need to have a covering. We need a kapara. And it was blood. This theme is established and it goes all the way back to the beginning. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, really. But we see within this scarlet is a sign of truth. It is a sign. And, and Rachav knew it. She knew it and she asked for it. And so for the righteous, for those who are in uh, God, they're by faith, like Rachav, she acted in faith. For the righteous, scarlet is all about cleansing. But for the wicked, scarlet is a stain. It's a stain. It's a, it's a statement of their filth and contamination. Look at Revelation 17, verse 4. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. She was holding a golden cup in her hand, full of detestable things and the filth of her immorality. In fact, interestingly, she's called a harlot. 
just like Rahav was a harlot, but didn't stay a harlot. She believed in Adonai and acted in faith. But you see, there's a very thin line, no pun intended, between this scarlet and what it means for the righteous and what it means for the wicked. And the same is true of this, of true of sin of the sons of Jacob who tried to cover up what they did to Joseph. Remember what happened, what the brothers did after they got rid of Joseph and sold him into slavery. Look at Genesis 37, 31. They took Joseph's tunic, slaughtered a billy goat, and they dipped the tunic in blood. Interestingly, that's how they deceived Jacob, their father. The blood, the scarlet, whether it was Judah's original cord or not, doesn't mean anything. What Rahab wanted was the sign of truth. And ladies and gentlemen, the blood of Yeshua for us is that sign of truth. As Rahab needed a sign of truth, we need on our mezuzahs, not just on our doorposts, but in the mezuzah of our hearts, we need that blood sprinkled on us to make us clean. It is our sign. That is the, the relevance for us in our lives. In the end, and I'm not talking about the end of COVID or, or the end of the month or the end of this year or even the decade. I'm talking about the very end when things really get heated up in this world. Worse than it ever has been from the beginning of time until now. When things get really bad, the only thing we're going to have to count on is that scarlet sign of truth on our hearts. That is the most important thing you as a human being can have in your life, in your spiritual life. These bodies are going to die and decay, but our souls live on forever, either with God forever or separated from God forever. And it is our decision. I'm going to close with one last scripture. And I think you need to turn there with me. I don't have it all on the board. It's just a little too much to put up but we're going to close with a reading from Revelation 19 because it has so much for us about what I'm saying about the end, the very end of days. I want you to see this as I close. Revelation 19, we're going to begin in verse 11. Give you a minute to turn there in your devices or your good Bibles. The good Jewish book, as your father used to say. Open your good Jewish books. I love it. Revelation 19.11 says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one riding on it is called Faithful and True. And he judges and makes war in righteousness. His eyes are like a flame of fire and many royal crowns. Royal. Look at that royalty crowns around his head. He has a name written that no one knows except himself. Look at this. He has, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't believe that that is his own blood elsewhere. The scripture talks about at the end of days, when the Messiah comes, he's going to trample his enemies. It's going to be their blood the blood of his enemies. Anyways, it goes on verse 14 and the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, 
white and clean. Just like we read in Isaiah, we had scarlet, but now we are white and clean. We were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it, he may strike down the nations and he shall rule them with a iron rod. And he treads the winepress of his furious wrath. There's the imagery stepping on the grapes as if it's a wine press that's actually his enemies, their blood spurting up on his garments. Elohai Sevaot. On his robe and on his thigh is the name written King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Then I saw a single angel standing in the sun with a loud voice. He cried out to all the birds flying high in the sky, Come, gather for the great banquet of God to eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of generals and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those riding on the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Verse 19, also I saw the beast and all the kings of the earth and all their armies gathered together to make war against the one who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured and along with him, the false prophet who had performed signs before him, which he had deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, as well as those who had worshiped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of burning uh, fire burning with brimstone. The rest were killed with sword coming out of the mouth of the one riding on the horse and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. You know, Messiah, when he comes, there's going to be that sign and it ain't going to be the mark of the beast for us. It's going to be, he's going to be looking for that sign, that scarlet thread, just like Rechav requested and had and just as B'nai Israel was coming into Jericho and there was going to be some serious heads rolling in Jericho they knew it they were afraid and that's the way this world really should be right now we should be afraid not we individually but the world should be afraid when that king of kings comes because it's serious business heads are going to roll and if you don't have that scarlet cord in your life of the blood of Yeshua, uh, I would be afraid. I really would. And so, my friends, I encourage you like Rahav to get that sign of truth. Receive it. Receive it now. Like the Canaanite nations, their hearts will be melting at the sign of the Son of Man coming to destroy his enemies. And we now, right at this moment, we have an opportunity. We have grace to receive that sign right now. The same sign that saved Rechav. Get that sign of truth. Receive Yeshua. Receive him in your heart. Believe in him. Trust in him for your salvation. Get that sign. Receive him as your Messiah today. Repent. Turn to him just like Rechav. It doesn't matter how dirty our sins were. Imagine a prostitute, how dirty she could have been, but the blood of Yeshua covers all of that sin. Our sins can be washed away. May that be all of us today. God bless you all. Shabbat Shalom, Rabbi Kevin. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi Eric. Let's bow our heads. And, and I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If that's you and you've never made a commitment to follow Yeshua, but you'd like to, like to today, just lift your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. Or maybe, maybe you're watching online, you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, but you'd like to.
Is there anybody here who's never said that prayer but would like to? If you're watching or online or listening in the podcast, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me if you've never said this prayer before to receive Yeshua. And then you'll have that, that, that sign, that sign that Rabbi Eric was talking about. Say, Dear God, I humbly come before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins, O oh God. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Please, oh God, look for that scarlet cord when that my time comes. <laughs> It'll be on my window. Thank you, Lord, in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to encourage you and just lift you up. Thank you so much. And Lord God, I thank you for this word today, this word of encouragement and this word of connection that we see between Rachav and even Messiah Yeshua and us in our own lives. Lord, this is what we need. This is what we need, God. And, and it's really a, a, an external, it's a visible sign of you, Lord, that if that scarlet cord was hidden in Rahab's window, then she would not have been safe. But she put it right out her window so that it could be seen by the children of Israel coming in, Lord. So let our light so shine in the world that we also have that scarlet cord with the blood of Mashiach in our own lives, Lord, representing your forgiveness, Lord God, in your kapur, your kapara. Thank you, God, for this, Lord. We thank you for this service. Please bless and touch Rabbi Eric. And, uh, and I ask your blessings on Tikvat Yisrael and Cleveland, Lord, just bring your people in, in home. Cleveland is such a historic Jewish community. Lord God, bring your people home to you and bring them into Tikvat, Lord. And so that you, they, will, they will have the hope of Israel, Lord, which is Moshiach. Thank you, God, for this, Lord. Bless him as his, his wife and family. And we thank you for this, God. Bashem Yeshua. Amen and amen. I hope you enjoyed yourself today. And Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service. Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Shalom.